This episode of Grunt Work brought to you by the KX Eddy Man-Sized Speed Demon Bicycle. Speed Demon! Pull over, boy, and get your ticket right! Thank God it's Tuesday, you're 40% of the way through the week, there's probably a taco special at a bar somewhere, and you're listening to Grunt Work, the podcast where we watch every episode of Home Improvement and then talk about it. Truman, I have a question for you. Yes, go ahead. What if the podcast listeners are choosing to listen to this on a day that's not Tuesday? Thank God it's Wednesday, you're 60% of the way through the work, thank God it's Thursday, you're 80% of the way through the week, thank God it's Friday, 100% of the way through the week, thank God it's Saturday, hey, you don't have to work today. Thank God it's Sunday, God's Day of Rest. Uh, Thank God it's Monday, at least you don't have to be on the weekend anymore, and now you can get a head start on getting towards Friday. Whatever day it is, whatever time it is, it's grunt work time. It's Truman, what if this podcast is shot out into space where they have a different solar uh, week and have more than seven days? Then Matthew McConaughey (laughs) is going to be out there listening to it and crying. Uh, Maybe it'll go to the planet where every second is like 20 years on Earth, and then... He'll be he'll he'll be in heaven. He'll be listening to our podcast forever, essentially. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Truman, it's good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you too. I I have a pressing question for you. Oh, I don't know if you have anything anything for me that has been on your mind. Uh, a few things, but uh, what do you got for me? Well, I just want to know. I mean, this is not really uh, this is apropos of nothing in particular. Well, it's mm-hmm. apropos of home improvement. The oh, fact that's that we talk all about that the show I care about. Uh, I was. On I don't the... care about you. I just want to know. Home improvement is the only thing that matters in my life. You care about me through the lens of home improvement. That's that's <laughs> your way. Much like Rain Man yes. cares about people through uh, numbers and the who's on first routine. <laughs> so I was on the way here, and uh, as you may have heard, uh, the thing that we have a lot of on the freeways here in LA is cars. There's a lot of cars. Looking out the window, I'm thinking, if if we lived in the Cars universe, the universe the of Pixar the cars. P- Pixar film okay. Cars, yeah, and we had to cast Home Improvement. Using vehicles, mm. which cars would you get to play the main roles on Home Improvement? Oh, holy moly. And I felt bad as I thought of this because I had time to think of this ahead of time and I'm just throwing you on the spot. So I Yeah, can... no. Well, I got to be honest. Um, I'm already tripped up by the thought that the Pixar universe is technically all of their films live within the same universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I've read that. I've read that. Theory, and yes. Tim Allen does the voice of Buzz Lightyear, oh. who is in... Already in the Pixar universe, so now you are re you're, you're like uninceptioning. You're asking us to step out and then reformat. It's unceptioning. Un- <laughs> unceptioning. Wow. Okay. Well, obviously the Bonnie Hunt character would play Jill. Yeah. Well, well I don't. I don't even mean characters from Cars. I just mean like what oh. cars would play. I'm not saying recast oh, it with characters so from I, Cars. You know what? I you honestly, any car. I do not know enough Cars. To be able to answer this question. That's, that's a, okay, well, well, okay, you go out on the street and look around for a All second right. while I tell everyone, okay. Well, what, what do you got? You, you hit me with what you Mike, have. Because this, this is great. You've seen Cars. I haven't seen Cars. I have seen actual Cars, but not the movie Cars. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so are you posing that I haven't seen an actual vehicle in my life? I don't know, man. You work from home. That's I mean, true. admittedly, I work from home, too. But I, I my apartment overlooks the street and yours does Fair. not. So I feel like Tim, to, to, the car that would play Tim mm-hmm. would definitely be a monster truck. It mm, is okay. It is large. It is impractical. It has more power. 
Okay, all uh, right. So th- th- that seems like the car. There, were, you know, what practical use is there for a motorcycle? What practical mm-hmm. use is there for hubcaps on a lawnmower? That is uh, very true. Though I, I would pose an argument. Yes. That I, even a monster truck. Yeah. You could technically carry some stuff in the bed of it. Yes. So it would have a small bit of use versus some sort of like souped up ma- uh, monster hot rod of like a two seater that, you know, can't carry many people that offsets its uh miles per gallon that it's it can still be souped up with more power. Yeah. Um maybe some turbo boosts and uh <laughs> is that is that the real automotive term for it, or is that what you pick up in racing games and you're just kind of assuming that that's... I saw a, a Fast and Furious movie once. I, I, no, I, I saw a Fast and Furious movie too, but it was on the internet and I did not... That was not the torrent I was looking for, and the people in that were very confused vis-a-vis animals and sexuality. Uh, or maybe they weren't confused at all. Now, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they're ahead of the rest of us. Yes. Something something that I've heard broached before a topic on other podcasts is that is that, that, that well so I think it's sort of widely accepted that, that patient zero for furries was kids who watched the Robin Hood Disney Robin oh, Hood oh yeah right those foxes yes that just like I feel Which like I grew up on that movie I get it I, I grew up on that movie too and I'm glad we're talking about this because I think I, I think I was like I'm not a furry I will say that with 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 pride and happiness but I, I look back. At that movie, and the time I was watching it, and it was like, I, it was close. It could have been on the bubble there. I could have gone the <laughs> other way. It was like, you. I think you go you go into Disney's Robin Hood as an mm. impressionable young boy, and you, you can come out of that one of two ways. <laughs> well, okay, we've we've uh, defined furry as one way. What's the other way? The, the, the other... Well-adjusted, sexually... Uh, normative what i mean well i mean that's but that would supposedly that category would supposedly include both of us so if you want to append all those like well-adjusted sexually normative if you want to call us those things we should put that on the banner for the podcast if that's what we are (laughs) well-adjusted sexually normative Uh, the internet's uh uh, the internet's most well-adjusted sexually uh normative home improvement podcast because there are some pervy home improvement podcasts out there Oh my. Okay, but we got we got sidetracked from my stupid cars experiment yeah. to talk about furries. I'll, I'll run through the rest. Jill Mazda Miata. Okay. Kind of sporty, uh-huh. kind of sassy, no nonsense. All right. I also think that Tim as a monster truck is a, I like I respect your position. Yeah, yeah. But Tim is occasionally has some utility. He does fix Jill's That's fair. car yeah, that you're time. Right, you're right. He, he occasionally can do okay, it. Okay, I concede. Uh Al get ready. Mm. This you're not going to agree with this at first, but then you're going to realize that I, Hit this me is with perfect. It. Al is a Yaris, because a Yaris is a very dependable car. It's not flashy. Mm-hmm. doesn't have a high profile, but I've never met someone who owns a Yaris who doesn't love their Yaris. The Yaris is just, it's just enough car for what you need it to do. It's not a lot of razzle-dazzle. I know, and you're thinking hmm. it should be a truck because of how Al is, but this is, in the Cars universe, I think that if a Yaris existed in the Cars universe... Mm-hmm. It would truly be the most emblematic of of Al and of Richard Karn. This is a... Yeah. You know, it's just that I can't visually picture a Yaris wearing a flannel. Uh, But I I get the the sentimentality behind your choice, and I respect it. If if any of you listening are Photoshop whizzes, please send a picture of a plaid Yaris or a flannel Yaris (laughs) to... 
the email address that Landon will read later on in the show. Info at gruntworkpodcast.com. That's that's the one. Or on Twitter, gruntworkpod. Yeah, just just get just get it out there in the world because the world needs it. <laughs> uh, Mark would be a smart car because mm-hmm. I feel like smart cars get picked on by other cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad would be a Pontiac Firebird with a Eagle decal on the front. <laughs> okay. Is this just because of his mullet? Is that the only basis for this choice? <laughs> it's only 87% because of his mullet. And <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Th- this will be invalid in like a season when he's yes. doing a different hairstyle. But right now, it's just he needs like a miniature sized <laughs> one of those cars to be leaning on in every okay. scene. Randy, white panel van. Not to suggest that he's a child molester, but just there's like the, the serial killer in Silence of the Lambs drives a white van, so there's that. Uh, oh my god! And last but not least, Wilson, uh, a snowplow, because with that blade in the front, you can't see, and that's what the face typically is in the Cars movies. Yes, and that's the Cars bit. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm so I'm going to go home now. I've provided all the comedy that I can provide to the podcast. <laughs> I really appreciate your commitment to that. Uh, so, yeah, before we get into this episode, I do have one thing on my own agenda here. Oh, yeah, go for which it. Which is, uh, in the last episode, we posed this theory that Wilson could potentially be the father of Jason Voorhees, the killer from the Friday the 13th series. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, we, we put that out into the world, and... Um, and the world responded. <laughs> well, not the entire world, uh, but one particular group of guys. Uh, another podcast called The Fan Theory world fan theory world. Uh, and you can find them on twitter at at fan, fan theory world um they went back and forth with us on twitter really hashing this out uh we're hashtagging this out <laughs> there are a lot of hashtags definitely a lot of hashtags um and you can find we we kind of or i built up this uh post that you can find all the evidence uh i dig, dug up a lot it, it's very intense i went through it and kind of went down a rabbit <laughs> hole i was impressed. Uh, yeah, and I hope that it, it becomes a little more robust. However, okay, so that theory aside, they posed another theory that I want to run by you, which kind of blew my mind. They said, <clears throat> what if Home Improvement uh, and Tim Taylor, the character of Tim Taylor, is a replica, a, a story replica of Tim Allen? If Tim Allen getting the show of Home Improvement is to be seen as the same trajectory as Tim Taylor getting the show of Tool Time. Oh. Will the will Home Improvement mirror the career of Tim Allen? Will Tool Time get canceled at some point because Tim Taylor gets too political about subjects that people are uncomfortable <laughs> with? Will 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 well, that's not why Home Improvement was canceled. I mean, Home Improvement wasn't canceled. They they chose not to do it. Anymore. Oh, true. Okay, yes, yes, you're right. Tool Time is the analogy. So that means he'll have another Home Improvement show ten years <laughs> yeah, after. Exactly. Uh, only with a woman co-host, maybe. Um, Lisa finally, finally, <laughs> maybe she returns on her but way up. In the interim between that, Tim Taylor would then become a superstar, a worldwide superstar. The host of Tool Time, Tim, the Tool Man Taylor, yeah. will become a massive movie star starring in... Uh, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Galaxy, some sort of Star Trek parody, uh, some sort of set of Christmas movies. Um, some sort of Pixar-oriented movie, yeah. not Cars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'll, he'll voice some sort of uh, massive animated movie. So, so the... Uh, so if if Home Improvement is meant to be a tool show analog for Tim Allen's career, what you're suggesting is that it, it first is just 
were mirroring Tim Allen's career with mm-hmm. Tim Taylor's success, mm-hmm. but then after Home Improvement is over, then the two sort of merge, and then Tim Taylor also becomes an international movie star. Oh, so interesting. Okay, so you're saying instead of art imitating life, or you're, you're saying there's a convergence point between art imitating life and life imitating art in which art and life become the same thing. Yes. Holy cow. And I think the technical term for that is a circle jerk, but I'm not... <laughs> maybe it's a mon- mandala jerk. Or, or... Uh, this is the first time I've ever uh, seen a Catch-22 solved. Maybe we wanted to, uh, to tackle the chicken and the egg scenario on the next uh, episode here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, let's, let's, give, let's give me some time on the chicken and the egg. I've already, I've already wrapped my brain <laughs> so tightly around this one that it'll, yes. I'll need a week to kind of uh, ring it back out again. Indeed. But anyhow, I just want to thank the, the Fan Theory World guys. Yeah. Uh, they, they really ran with it and um, was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. M- big props to them for uh, indulging the sort of behavior that we engage in so often it's good to know that we're not alone that there are other people maintaining the light <laughs> reading into these shows and these pop cultural products the way that they really need to be appreciated yeah absolutely so should we just uh, get into this episode just just, just or... get yeah let's get let's just get all right deep. let me let's throw you a little synopsis of uh toss me okay. toss me synopsis <laughs> we, i'll catch it we uh Watched an episode called Unchained Melody. And we had a lot of debate up front about what episode this was going to be. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, so here's the, here's the long and short of it. Uh, Tim receives a chain letter in the mail uh, that claims that if he doesn't send it to ten people, something bad is going to happen. Ooh. <laughs> uh, he doesn't send it out, thus setting off a string of bad luck from... Uh, his car battery dying, to his hands getting dyed green, to getting punched in the face, uh, smashing his thumb, all kinds of uh, goofy stuff. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Randy has crashed his new bike. Oh, Randy. And that's about as deep as that subplot goes. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I think you, you forgot the, the, there's another subplot that you missed. Uh, and that subplot is pretty intense, but the subplot basically goes like this. George Foreman... <laughs> Just George Foreman. Just some George Foreman. Yep, you're in, right. Inexplicably well, here. He he does not, he didn't factor in the synopsis for me because he does not push this exposition, uh, he doesn't push the narrative forward in any way whatsoever. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so, Landon. He, <laughs> he has a lot of, he definitely likes food a lot. I, yeah. The, should we just launch into George Foreman? Hey, let's just get into, like, okay. you guys know the trajectory of the episode. Let's talk about the most interesting. There's a lot of interesting parts. Yes. George Foreman. Um, so I don't understand why he's on this show, nope. except that I feel like ABC, at this point, we're uh, 18, 19 episodes in. Yeah. Uh, this is episode 19. They're like, we have a hit on our hands. This was an unexpected smash success for us. Did they know this early on that the show was a hit? Did they have the yeah. numbers oh, coming yeah. in? By this okay. point, for sure. Uh, they definitely knew. Um, and I feel like they're just like last episode or two episodes ago, I'm sorry, was Bob Vila. Yeah. Now they've got George Foreman. I feel like they're just throwing absolutely everything at the show to ensure its ongoing success. Yeah. I it se- it seems that way to me. I uh, when they were talking about George Foreman up front, I thought, god, I hope this is just a bit and he doesn't actually show <laughs> up because like B- Bob Vila makes sense to show up on this show. Mm-hmm. George Foreman It's like they couldn't find anyone else to be on this popular primetime sitcom than the guy with nothing to do with what the show is about. So with the age that I am at and the amount of sports that I watch, which is not very much, mm-hmm. I, I mainly know George Foreman as a guy who sells a grill yes. that Michael Scott at one point got his foot caught in on another sitcom. <laughs> Maybe George Foreman is the one that's cursed. Uh, that, 
or he's the one doling out the curses. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Uh, where, 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 where was he in Borneo? <laughs> so, I'm primarily familiar with George Foreman as the guy who sells the grills. I'm not really familiar mm-hmm. with his boxing career. On the show, they keep talking, like, boxing is sort of interwoven into this episode because George yeah. Foreman is there, but all George Foreman wants to talk about is eating sandwiches or eating steaks. Which, I now, I don't understand this because... Yeah. You know, I, I grew up with pay-per-view boxing. Uh, my uncle watched it a lot. And, uh, you know, he t- even mentions Evander Holyfield in this episode. And, uh, I, you know, I was acquainted with his uh, bout with uh, Muhammad Ali back in the day. Um, I don't recall the transition into him being a foodie. Um, this episode aired in 1992. Yeah. The George Foreman Grill didn't come out till 1994. So yeah. this is even pre-Foreman Grill. So, did he just have a reputation for eating a lot? Because he's like, he's a big dude, but he's like svelte. He's like yeah. tall and slim. And I get that boxers eat a lot because they're, you know, they're, you know, the workout they burn a lot thing, of whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, I get it. But it's like every single thing. He comes on the show wearing a suit, uh, where, you know, full, full suit, walks out talking to Tim and Al. Mm-hmm. And Tim says, what do you want to build today, George? And George says, I'd like to build a sandwich. And who, who outside of subway employees, who has ever used the term build a sandwich? I, I know that in Napoleon Dynamite, Pedro says that he's going to build a girl a cake. And that in and of <laughs> itself, the phrasing of that is yeah. is funny. But yet yeah, again, that's 12 years after this episode. So he says he's going to he wants to build a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Tim says we're building a staircase. George Foreman very seriously says I've never eaten a staircase. And <laughs> you take that as if. He's he's one of these like exotic eaters. Like I got to try everything on this planet once before I die. I'm gonna go to Africa, shoot a rhino, eat the rhino, go back to my lodge, shoot the staircase, eat the staircase. <laughs> gonna eat my seat on the plane back home. Gonna eat the airport when I get back to America. <laughs> so he says he says I've never eaten a staircase, mm-hmm. and then Tim says, "Well, we've only got one, so don't start now." Which is a funny bit, but then it's just they keep. Just they nothing but it. food jokes. He, yeah, every single setup of his five minutes on tool time is to talk about eating things, and then also why is George Foreman known for? He's known. He should be on Cooking with Irma. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe there was maybe Lisa uh, in in her disdain for not getting enough to do on tool time because uh, we've established in a previous episode that she's booking the guests and the audience for this. Yeah, maybe she. Um, in disdain, she mixed up the the two the two shows. She sent uh, whatever um, home improvement N- name name a home improvement was, celebrity. You, know, you caught me right in the middle. It I knew <laughs> who, who is not Bob Vila or one of the cast members of the TV series Home Improvement. Oh, you have one second. Well, I got nothing. I I got no I, no not a single person comes to mind. It can't be done because when Bob Vila was on Home Improvement, all of the Home Improvement celebrities in the world were in the same place at the same time. <laughs> Ron if, Swanson. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. And of course, I could point out he's like twenty years after this show. But, that's very true, but yeah. I'm not going to burn you the way. That Who you knows what me. Ron Swanson was doing in his past, though? And, and well, he was having sex with women named Tammy. We oh, know that much. <laughs> but no, Ron Swanson also is eternal. So, yeah, so George Foreman, that was a weird touch for this episode. Uh, so another thing that I've... No, if we want to take it back a little bit, do you have more? Uh, I, no, I mean, George Foreman just perplexed the hell out of me. I, I have really nothing to say on him outside of, like... I mean, unless you want to talk about him getting angry at the nail, uh, which was a bit that 
just didn't work for me, but... Yeah, they, they, I guess they want to have him hammer the first nail into this staircase they're building. I can't, it just, it really does not make sense to me what their show get Like, they're so excited uh, early on in, in, a, in a... Before George Foreman shows up, Tim is telling Al they're on the set prepping for that day's shoot and saying, oh, I got... I got George Foreman to come be a, a guest star on the show. I did some I did some benefit for him, and now as a as a favor, he's going to come be on our show. I guess are boxing fans naturally into home improvement as well? Do they, will they tune in just to watch a boxing star drive a nail well, into a staircase? Maybe. I mean, I think it's probably playing to the larger man, you know, world of man. You know, yeah, uh, the Isle of Man, the Isle of Man. Yeah, exactly. Like just the the just idea of manhood, all encompassing NASCAR, boxing. Um, cooking with Irma. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Irma's a dude. <laughs> yeah. Why cast aspersions? Yeah. Aspersions? Is that the right word? Uh, maybe so. I don't have my dictionary assumptions on Assumptions is kind of what I was going for, but... Can you cast an assumption? Or do you just make an assumption? Uh, you can make an assumption. Can you build an assumption? I think you'd need more power to do that. <laughs> um, okay, I'm adding that to the grunt work grunt count. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go. Okay, so oh, let's go into the grunt count, and then this, we'll go from like the beginning of this episode. This is good. Uh, also, I think we forgot to read the grunt count on the air last last week. Oh, we, as well. we forget from time to time. But well, we're let's bad make at a better it, uh, better effort. Yeah, let's 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 do our jobs. Yeah. Let's do our job. <laughs> Much like Tim isn't good at home improvement, we're not good at the explicit thing that this show is about. <laughs> yes, but this week we are. 17 grunts Holy in this episode. Cow. Tim was, and this segues into my next point. Yeah. Tim Tim was extra salty this week in all regards. Just, it, it, the Tim was turned up to 11, and that follows with it, the grunting. Mm-hmm. And just right out the gate, he's talking to Randy about his, uh, the new bike that he's got him, the KX Eddie man-sized speed demon. Yeah. Already. And yeah, he, yeah, that was seven right out the gate. It was within the first like minute and a half of the episode. And he's talking to Jill's friend, Karen, who happens to be in the house. Yeah, and she's, Karen's back. Karen's back, and and Karen in this. Oh, we're getting off. Okay, we're okay. Seventeen grunts. Yeah, go series, your, series grunt count is two hundred and eighty nine grunts. That's a, a staggering number to me. It's quite a lot. of And grunts. we're not even done with the first season. I, I think we will easily top. We, there's we will top three hundred. Okay, I'm going to ask you right now. Yeah. What do you think the final grunt count is going to be for the end of the season? The end of the season. So that's, we've got. Uh, that's a good question. There's five more episodes. Five more episodes. Man, that's the because there's like. Sometimes there's three, sometimes there's 20. Sometimes there's 55. That's right. I forgot about that episode. Yeah, Christmas was weird. Uh, (laughs) I think by the end of the, by the end of the season, I, man, I don't think, I don't think it's out of the question to say that we will hit 350. Okay. Yeah, I think that sounds all right. And watch, watch, like next episode, one grunt, episode (laughs) after that, zero grunts. They just phase grunt. Maybe, like we've said in the past, that all of the things you remember about the show came from season one. Right. Uh, Maybe grunting is a thing that gets phased out after (laughs) season one, Maybe he never grunts again. They just realize people really want the transitions and not so much the grunting. so the episode, to, to take it back to Jill yeah. and Karen, mm-hmm. the episode starts with Tim fixing Karen's hairdryer. She's yeah. over at the house. You know, she gave him so much crap in the last time she was uh, had an appearance for, you know, being a man, bringing his tools home, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, clearly he has a track record for breaking things. So that's on, on her shoulders for, like, bringing her hairdryer over to get him, get him to fix it. But yeah. he, he does. Yeah, he fixes it, and he doesn't give it more power. It no. just, he gives it adequate power to do the thing it's designed to do. Yeah. And when he first does that, in that first, the very first moments they're on, on set where he kind of, like, twists the screwdriver and, and blows it in her face and it works. 
And they have this, and she's like, oh, thanks, Tim. He's like, yeah, there you go. It's working. And I think, oh, that's sweet. They were kind of at each other's throats last time, but they've got, he did this sweet thing. Mm -hmm. He fixed her appliance and helped her out. And how nice of Tim. He's turned over a new leaf. These two actually like each other. And then from that second onward, Jill comes back in. The rest of the time that he's talking to Karen, he's just being a dick to her. He's just, well, to be fair, she was a dick to him in the last episode. I mean, he just walked in from the garage from coming back from the store, and she rails on him for, like, you bought a tool. Yes, true, but how long ago was that? Admittedly, there's some stuff with yeah. timeline in this episode to be explored. I'm glad you pick on that, too, but yeah, that, we'll get that, to that in a that, second. That, that, speaking of turning brains into pretzels. <laughs> now now I'm hungry. I'm thinking of Auntie Annie's. I would want, I would want cinnamon and rock salt <laughs> on, my, on my brain pretzel. I'll get you some stairs with that. Oh, that's that's great. That's great. Nothing nothing to wash down a pretzel like a set of stairs. <laughs> so yes, yeah, she was uh, she was nasty to him in the mm-hmm. past, but that was the past. Like yeah. uh, when you watch a sitcom, there's a certain understanding that that each episode is its own continuity. Like maybe they had a battle in the past, but haven't they buried the hatchet by now? Well, I, I think it, it just calls more to their their overall dynamic that they are just quick to throw jabs at each other. Um, it's just the jabs he's throwing her like, like at some point she's like, you know, oh, I'm leaving. He's like, oh, my look, my luck's turning around already. Yeah, right. Everything he said, the tone of voice that he addresses her in Mm -hmm. is really nasty and scathing and angry. I wish I'd written down some of the stuff that he says to her when she's first, first hanging around. Well, you know, this is very interesting because this show, as we've talked about, and I don't think masks itself in any way, is very much about. You know, battle of the sexes, the gender roles, that sort of stuff. And in this episode in particular, feels like they kind of uh, fall back on just very easy male versus woman jokes as yeah. opposed to exploring deeper meanings between that. Yeah, yeah. Wilson doesn't have as much insight. Like, this isn't an episode about how to make your family work. This is kind of an yeah. episode about... I'm, this is not a great episode, but it made me laugh quite loudly. But it had a lot of good sight gags did, and moments. Yeah. That particularly the moment where Tim dyes his hands green is another yes. thing that I remember from the ether of my childhood. Like last episode, with uh, I remembered that uh, Tim and his family had gone camping. Like I remembered that episode of them out in the woods camping on mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. I think probably probably this episode aired right after that one in syndication. I probably saw yeah, it the it same night, and I have that memory of. Oh, we know that Tim dyed his hands green. Let's try and get him to show show us his hands. What happened to you on this night that both of these aired uh, in syndication that made you remember everything? Uh, that was that was the first night that I watched uh, Robin Hood with the foxes, and I, I had I had to do some very deep soul searching about what kind of fetishes I wanted to have in my life going forward. Uh, so that's why there's all this green hand stuff uh, in your bedroom. Yeah, you know, hey, because at least the hands aren't furry; they're smooth green hands. And, Oh, you my. can mat anything you want to on them in post production. Exactly, it can be anything. <laughs> Your imagination runs wild on those hands. <laughs> That's uh, you, you know the opening. I don't want to take out of context. You, you know the opening credits for Goldfinger when it's like the hand just rises oh, yeah. up and the projection of the explosion oh, yeah. on it. Uh, oh, oh wow, yeah, that was real graphic. I I know, I know it was. <laughs> I know uh, this is. We got the little E rating on this, right? The little, uh, little for everyone, for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> this should be rated T for teen. <laughs> Just to touch back on this point with Karen and Tim's dynamic, you know, when he comes back with his hands in his coat after having dyed his hands green, Jill, okay, so to pose this, uh, draw out the scene for you, Jill gets a phone call before Tim arrives back home uh, from Al, and Al tells Jill, 
Tim has dyed his hands green. And and the whole thrust of this is that Tim, you know, they've thrown away the chain letter earlier. Tim yes. Tim doesn't want to acknowledge that he's scared. It's given him bad luck, but bad things are happening. Right, exactly. And for, well, as a little aside, Jill has this really really funny cackle when she's on the phone with uh, with Al. That was just like it was pitch perfect. Um, anyhow, so they know that Tim has his, his hands are dyed green before he even walks in the door, and. Jill and Karen have a lot of fun with this. So it's the best scene in the episode. Yeah. I feel like that balances just like in, in most of these episodes where, um, you know, like the bowling one where Tim gets to be a little more misogynistic because he ultimately loses to Jill. Um, and the bubble, bubble toil and trouble one feels another episode that does that. Yeah. I feel like I reference "bubble bubble toil and trouble" in every fucking. Well, you 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 do say you do say it a lot. I hear I, when editing, I hear you saying "bubble bubble" a lot, <laughs> and I'm going to make a sweet mixtape out of that. But I think that that episode, that episode was a bit like there was a lot to mine from that one. Yeah. Though, so we keep returning to it. Yeah. We also talk about Sir Larry a lot more, I think, than anyone ever has. Oh, I miss Sir Larry. I do. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, but we got Karen. We've got Karen. She is a recurring character who yeah. actually doesn't abandon us. She who actually recurs, yeah. and not just in our imaginations. Exactly. So we, the whole point being that I think we've got uh, Tim being um, tag teamed a little bit. He, the 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 scales aren't even. So when he throws these things out there, like he, uh, they start talking about um, George Foreman being on the thing on the show. Uh, Jill and Karen go on this little riff, about, which I thought was really funny, yeah. getting all their sports metaphors wrong. Yeah, he, he's the quarterback for the Lions, right? No, 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 that's Arnold Palmer. You're <laughs> yeah, thinking, yeah. right. Uh, which was hilarious. Yeah. Because the, the thing that was great about that was that they are intentionally winding Tim up knowing that that's getting under his skin. So when he says, well, what do you think is a real sport? Ice skating um, or figure skating? Yeah. Like, that feels like a joke that falls too easily on the gender jokes, but I do think it is kind of balanced in a way. Yeah. Karen and Jill have the upper hand in all of this, including just a moment later when Tim starts uh, boxing with Jill to try and show her, like shadow boxing or play boxing yeah, with right. her, to try and show her just how complicated and, and scientific boxing can be, mm-hmm. and then he gets distracted by Mark at the wrong time, and she winds up oh, yeah. clocking him in the face. The C plot of this uh, episode, Mark learns to blow a bubble with bubblegum. I just said bubble bubble again. Yeah, you did. You did. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'm cursed. Maybe maybe this show is actually funded by the bubble industry. <laughs> Whether it's maybe. bubble gum or just the things that you blow around. Yeah. So that that the whole element with Mark and the bubble gum was interesting cuz we come into the we first come into this scene where we later learn that uh, Tim's hands are dyed green. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Mark is sitting there and and Jill and Karen are trying to coach him on how to blow a bubble with his bubble gum. Yeah. And they're like, oh, put it, flatten it out on the top of your mouth and put it on the t- tip of your tongue and blow. And he just blows the gum straight out of his he mouth and falls on the floor. spits it on the floor, yeah. And she says, oh, better keep practicing. And so Mark gets up and I'm like, oh, Mark's going to pick up the gum off the floor and put it back in his mouth. No, he just walks out of the room leaving the gum on the floor. And so I think, <laughs> oh, okay, Tim's going to walk in. He's going to step in the gum. Crafty little setup home improvement. Yeah. Nope, 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 not that. <laughs> what happens is they're shadow boxing, and then Mark runs in and yells, Mom, I blew a bubble, and Mark looks at it right Tim, as, yeah, yeah, Tim looks, yeah, and Tim, Jill clocks him in the face. Yeah. Giving him a black eye. Yes, yeah. yes, which which George Foreman later prescribes a steak for, which gets <laughs> a wonderful fourth wall break from both Tim and Al. <laughs> yes, which I'm totally going to pull a gif of. That's good. I was, yeah. go, I was going to ask you to do that. <laughs> 
Uh, and we also get um, a bubblegum transition. Yes. Oh, man. There's <laughs> some transition stuff. There's. I didn't realize this at first. The, the bubblegum transition, I mean, did that... Did that that didn't really upset me to my core. Did that upset you to your core? Um, it didn't it, at its core. Yeah. At, 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 it didn't at its... Uh, Bubble. Uh, it didn't technically bother me in and of itself, but the length of time that it took kind of annoyed me. Because it, it blows up, and then it just like the, the teardrop... Oh, God, that teardrop. Uh, in, a, in one or two episodes ago, it just, like... Fades into the background and then invades the next scene. Yeah, it reminds me of, and they used to do this. While well, I don't watch broadcast TV, but they used to do this a lot, where you'd be watching the show and then the kind of animated GIF of the next show, oh, like all yeah, the characters TBS would come was like up. Yeah. the worst at that. Yeah, yeah. I, it it feels like a precursor to that. Like, oh, the thing you're watching now, well, a little bit of this other thing is going to be right. a part of it. Yeah, yeah. I I think what confused me with this episode, there's one transition. Where the previous scene turns into a page that flips and flies away. Yeah, into the, the, next the scene. cursed letter, essentially. Which I didn't realize. I, I looked at the way that the text on this CG letter was laid out, and I thought, wait, is that supposed to be a page of the script for the show? What <laughs> is that? And there's a later moment where this scene like horizontally rolls up, mm-hmm. looking like a letter, and mm-hmm. it's, I again thought, like, what's the deal with pages of a script? Have you run out of ideas? <laughs> so I have to assume that. Uh, if we're going to continue talking about these transitions, that they, the editor of the show is, might be getting the template for all future seasons transitions out of the way. So he's going to use the, the, like, the roll-up uh, letter maybe in another episode for wallpaper. Mm, uh, yeah. The, the bubble gum is going to turn into a baseball in another episode. Um, maybe that's why we're so inundated with heavy transitions right now because they're they're just kind of like – the seeds of what's you know that will grow into a great transition tree, a mighty a mighty transition <laughs> oak that turns into a redwood, uh, and then and then turns into a tear that slides down something else. <laughs> that that makes sense. I guess all you have to do is kind of screen new details yeah, onto exactly. the, the animation. Just replace the the text with uh, some flowers. Also, just chain letters in general. Mm. Like this episode starts with Tim opening the mail and going through everything and getting this chain letter in the mail mm. and them talking about it and and having their reactions you know, it said it says oh uh, naval officer in borneo didn't forward this chain letter and he got decapitated yeah. and, that, and that keeps Which coming is a up very there. graphic detail to put in a chain letter and a very detailed detail too like yeah. oh he was in borneo at the time <laughs> well well you know yeah it seems like something you could fact check yeah yeah like <laughs> well, I guess they didn't necessarily yeah, have the internet in the same capacity that we do, but even going to the library, just going, okay, I want to find out all the details about U.S. naval officers that have been decapitated in Borneo in the last uh, 20 to 50 years. Yeah, it, it kind of turns into an episode of CSI almost at that point. <laughs> I mean, for me, I just like pick up the phone and call Borneo and ask him what's been going on lately. <laughs> but it, to, to, the, to that whole point, though, it mm-hmm. kind of harkens back to this, like chain letters could work back then because yeah. people didn't really have the means to check up on whether what they were saying was bullshit and also people would mail things to each other can you imagine how well the nigerian prince scam would go well <laughs> go over it with like a, a snail mail i guess at the time it was called publisher's clearinghouse oh yeah yeah <laughs> that was the that was well wait did they ever give out money to people I'd i don't see know them my grandmother TV. was 
adamant that she was going to win because she, uh, she had until, a strategy until the end of her life she was convinced she was in the last five for the running to get the grand prize as far as i know she never won i i, I would hope that you would know <laughs> unless her unless her whole scheme was to win and then not tell anyone about it Who fake knows? her death disappear to a beach in borneo <laughs> where she dies for real uh. because she didn't forward that chain letter uh-oh she indulged in the wrong superstition <laughs> Also, what I thought was interesting is that Al sent the chain letter yeah, to Tim. Yeah, that was very interesting, too. Yeah, I, I mean, Al does strike me as someone who would be superstitious, because uh, we've kind of touched that he and Jill have a lot of similarities, and Jill uh, proves to be superstitious as well. She's the one that's trying to get Tim to indulge in this, at the outset of the episode, at least. Yeah, which to me felt uncharacteristic for Jill, honestly. she I would, I would be more inclined to buy Al being superstitious mm. than Jill being superstitious. I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I can see, I, you know, that's kind of an area of Jill we haven't uh, explored yet. So I think, honestly, before this episode, I could have gone either way on it. Yeah, I guess I guess I didn't really have much cause to wonder which which characters on Home Improvement were the most superstitious. It didn't <laughs> it didn't come up as a as a plot point until now. Yeah, but we do kind of um, all the main adult characters at least we get to see whether or not they're superstitious. Even to Lisa, who you know. I got the impression she sent the chain letter to Al. Maybe it seems like she would have, or maybe there... she got. She was one of uh, Al's ten people, in addition to Tim. Maybe. Well, yeah, and that because that's what Tim Tim says when she finds out that Al sent the letter. Tim says, mm-hmm. "I figured it was you. I'm the only person you know." <laughs> Burn. Uh, I know. It's it's harsh, but he must have scraped together another nine. And given yeah. given that, okay, so. Al is saying, I've had good luck. I found $20, and this morning I won a shovel on a radio show. <laughs> Which, that was, that was hilarious. Yeah, very enjoyable. Yeah, very enjoyable line. Uh, and then and then Tim is doubting it, but then a moment later, uh, Lisa comes in and says, Oh, Al, my, my heat's out. Can I stay at your place tonight? And <laughs> Tim, Tim and Al share a probably 45-minute-long look before yeah. Al nods, totally plays it cool. Which I couldn't help but recall the line from episode one or two, where he goes, I think of her as a man. <laughs> she's a co-worker. I think of her as a man. Well, she's going to be in for a surprise when uh, he walks up to the ne- urinal next to her and uh, cracks open a beer. Actually, no, I guess he'd be more surprised that she'd be there. <laughs> yes. I don't really know much about male bonding, Landon. I don't, I don't do a lot of it. That's what we're doing on this podcast. She's going she's gonna to be in for a shock when he sits down to record a podcast with her. <laughs> But we, we even take the superstitious stuff through to Wilson, where Tim comes out in the second Wilson scene. Well, first of all, just to touch on Wilson for a second, this is the first instance where we see someone outside of Tim. I, there is a moment um, when Mark is around Wilson. I don't remember him talking to him, though. Yeah, and, the, and then, of course... Remember he goes and hides in the tree in, like, the third or fourth episode? Yeah, well, yeah, he... Ta- I think he... Wilson asks him what he's doing, and he says, mm-hmm. I'm hiding, and then, but then Wilson still blows his cover to Tim. Right, right, in uh, Mobetta Blues, I think it was, the lawnmower episode. And there's one episode, I think it's, uh, f- the, what, the fine dining one? Uh, mm-hmm. Sir Larry. Offsides. Yeah, offsides. Man, you remember the names of these so well. They... Jill and Tim are out back dancing while right. He plays, he the, plays accordion the accordion for her. Okay, so I'm but just full of shit. Here. No, 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 no. I made note of it too. <laughs> this is the most direct. Like he he says hi to Jill, and yeah. Jill says hi to him, and they actually have a have a little back and forth. So, but this refutes any idea that Wilson is a figment of Tim's imagination because there are other people 
uh, unless you are maybe considering that other people are figments of Tim's imagination. The, the, but that his wife and that, children. Yeah, that comes apart real quick, I feel like. Th- then you're getting into the, the like the end of St. Elsewhere, where it's all the snow globe. <laughs> but then also those actors who appeared on other shows means that those shows also took place in that kid's head. Yeah, so, right. Like everything from The Simpsons to The Wire is all the fantasy <laughs> of the son of the guy on St. Elsewhere. Uh, I don't want to... It's all part of Citizen Kane. Yeah, it's all a dream of Robert Foster Kane. Robert Foster Kane? Yeah. William Foster Kane. Charles Foster Charles Kane. Charles Foster Kane. Yeah. It's three names, and those are very difficult. You just hit the, you hit the, the slot machine of, uh, of, of... Jonathan Taylor Kane. <laughs> Charles Foster Thomas. <laughs> so... But the the other interesting thing, so Tim asks directly to Wilson, "Are you super? Are you a superstitious man? Superstitious? Are you superstitious? Are you, I, I've been drinking uh, some whiskey here, and, and so is Tim. <laughs> are you a superstitious man?" And Wilson says, "Well, no, I'm not, Tim." But Wilson says, "No, I'm not." Knock on wood. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's a good little bit. It's an inversion. it was a good it was a good little joke. It's just a square edge joke. <laughs> Um, but there's a weird moment that happens at the end of this scene. And I don't want to, it, it doesn't feel godly, but it does feel magical where he's talking to Tim about superstitions and he, he plays kind of coy on this. I mean, he, he has that whole line. I'm not superstitious, knock on wood. So he's kind of going back and forth. And then he's saying like, well, the idea of bad luck is just a concept that someone put in your head. And so you're going to see bad luck, uh, once that idea is there, blah, 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 blah. But also, uh, if you want to get rid of bad luck, here's some wolfbane and, uh, uh, garlic, which he just pulls out of thin air. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as though he knew as well maybe he maybe since he talked to jill earlier maybe he and jill chat i mean jill has to go in mm. the backyard too and wilson clearly never goes inside his house so maybe they talked about this or what if wilson was the originator of the chain letter oh that's good he's the one who wrote it well <laughs> because wilson in this conversation with tim uh you know tim asks him something like oh well have you ever you ever gotten a chain letter and not forwarded it and and wilson says that happened to one of my buddies once and then he went missing in borneo i think this this settles it he is obviously the writer of this thing how would he have known that outside of being an omniscient god uh so if we're if we're gonna set that theory aside for a second and just go with logistics he wrote this letter and this is his like retired man uh kick that he's getting I'm gonna I'm gonna put my friends through like I, I'm bored this week. I want to see what kind of hijinks this gets my friends into. So I'm gonna send this letter to Al. He only knows Tim, so obviously it's gonna work its way back to the Taylor household. And this is gonna be a hilarious Tuesday. He's like he's like a PG version of that super coordinated serial killer in the movie Seven, who, who wants to sow <laughs> chaos and force everybody to challenge their existing beliefs, but he just does it with like petty mischief and. The, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, the, the, he just plays on the fact that he knows Tim well enough to know exactly what will F up his life right. for a week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Also, coming out of that scene, mm-hmm. so Tim, uh, Wilson gives Tim a thing of garlic and a sprig of wolfsbane. Yeah. And Tim's like, ah, oh, great, Wilson, thank you so much. And as he turns to go away, Wilson says, oh, be sure to bring that back, Tim. I'm making pizza. <laughs> Which was another great little line for Wilson, I feel like. And also the first evidence that he eats anything a normal person eats. Yeah, outside of animals that he's caught. Yeah, unless it's squirrel pizza. You know, he was making those horseshoes a while ago, and I'm wondering yeah. if he killed and ate a horse. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I'm not entirely convinced he didn't. You you know that that you can make horseshoes in other ways besides killing the horse and taking them off of it. Yes, right? but there's a lot of evidence that he is eating every single animal that he. I mean, the neighbor's cat. We don't know what happened to that thing. We just heard a loud growl at one point. He set it free, though. I mean, Did so he? it was a catch and release. Did we see it get set free? No, we we saw it. We saw it get eaten in the bushes, but. <laughs> But maybe that was Wilson's trained attack raccoon that brought yeah. it back, and then he eats the dead cat and the raccoon. There you go. It's like a turducken. So- <laughs> a garbage turducken. I will say, uh, just if, to piggyback on this god immortal theory, uh, for one real last frivolous point, uh, garlic and wolfsbane in folklore, vampires and uh, werewolves. So... He could have been around for centuries. That makes sense. Uh, and picked up these these uh, falsities that are supposed to kill curses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, also in folklore, garlic and wolfsbane are the two best pizza toppings. <laughs> and it's tough because I've wolfsbane never tasted wolfsbane. Oh uh, well, you get get on get on down to. I think they've got one at Papa John's now. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's like the garlic containers they have. There's yeah. just like a wolfsbane container. <laughs> Just a sprig of wolf spain inside it. Oh man, not a good dipping sauce, but it's great with wings. <laughs> and then, uh, so I'm gonna just jump into another theory since yeah. we're kind of in this theory section. Um, Welcome to the theory section. <laughs> <laughs> this episode in particular really gives a lot of credence to this idea that Tim is just a cursed individual. Yeah, going back to Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble. <laughs> We should rename this show Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble Work. <laughs> that's just a, a lot of, that's a lot to fit in your mouth. That's what she said. Um, that, you, you, you did it to yourself, I did preemptively. It to <laughs> oh, God, that's also. <laughs> this can, is a rabbit hole we can, don't want to Can we down. just edit this whole podcast out of this podcast? <laughs> but, so, there's a moment toward the end of the episode when, uh, when Jill comes into the garage and she has this notepad and she sits down with Tim. She's like, I don't think you're cursed. Or I don't think you, you have bad luck from this chain letter. And she starts doing our work for us. Yeah. Where she lists everything that happened to Tim in the last 19 episodes. In, but she says in the last month. <laughs> That's right. Which brings up more timeline issues, which we haven't even gotten yeah, into I with know. this episode. Holy. So if we are to believe that he doesn't have bad luck from this chain letter, he is just a bad luck person. It's evidence that he might be cursed. Yeah, I, I think that the, the death card that he got episodes and episodes ago mm-hmm. counts. Wait, is that? Yeah, the Ace of Spades. Yeah, yeah. that's the episode. Yeah, I no, I maybe that's maybe that's what seasons two through eight that we can't remember are is him going to the jungles of Borneo to try and <laughs> find the ancient amulet that his father uh, stole and and led this curse to his entire family line. <laughs> Although if if the curse that I had was just my hands get dyed green, if that if out of out of all the curses that a person could have, that's th- true. None of Tim's curses have killed him. Mm-hmm. None of yes. them have made him per- true. I mean, we did touch on uh, whether or not Brad turning on that TV at the beginning in the theme song is actually at Tim's uh, funeral. Yeah, it, it could be. I mean, it would require him to age in reverse. <laughs> true. Tim seems pretty happy for a guy who's cursed. Mm-hmm. I, everything in his life seems to be working out pretty well, aside from the fact that klutzy, humorous things happen to him. Yeah. So if that's a curse, if that if you have to have a curse, I'll take that curse. A curse that leads to ultimate success because he has a successful TV show and yeah, uh, seemingly happy family life. Yeah, you know his life. His wife seems to love him enough yeah. to enough to have sex with him in the garage at the end of the episode for really no particular reason. I mean, she. 
reads to him the list of all the reasons he's a klutz. Like, oh, yeah. you're just a klutz, not right. that. So maybe he didn't, like, he didn't totally offend this person that gave him the, the curse, but, like, maybe just accidentally cut in front of her at uh, the bank line or something. Yeah. He's like, oh, I hate people like you, but you don't deserve to die. You're just going to have really, really specifically bad luck. In a, in a kind of petty way for a couple days. <laughs> well, and also, the last shot of the episode, they start they start making out in the garage, wherever the kids are, Randy's upstairs, yeah. and the door closes, and then you see that the letter has been tacked to the bulletin board on right. the garage door the whole time. The whole time. Ooh, <laughs> plot twist. Uh, is the worst M. Night Shyamalan twist there is. I, I And he is trying to find that. I mean, it's, it's worse <laughs> than the man himself could do. <laughs> yeah, so bring, bring us back on track. I, I we, We've kind of gone so far off the rails in so yeah. many directions here. What else do we have to talk about? What else do we have to talk about? Things that I want to mention. We get an audience shot at one point on the set of uh, Tool Time mm-hmm. when George Foreman arrives. And one of the audience members is a middle-aged man wearing a bright pink Mary oh Kay God. pink coat. Yeah, like that neon fresca um, magenta color. I mean, it's just like blinding. Y- yeah. As Again, these inept producers on Tool Time, like, why wouldn't you screen the the clothing of the audience members that you're going to put on camera? I'm, I'm going to crank it up a notch. These inept producers on home improvement. Why are you letting background actors wear flashy bright colors? It distracted us from the scene. Oh, the customer is always right, home improvement producers. Wow. That guy should not have been wearing that. Why do you just I was so caught up in the home improvement universe that I forgot that someone was actually producing the thing that you and I watch. Landon, it's just a show, dude. You're in too deep. Let's talk about Randy's storyline real quick, because yeah. this doesn't go too deep. Yeah. It really recalled to me um, that episode of The Simpsons when Bart is dared... Uh, I don't know if he was dared, but he decides to, to jump that uh, ravine on his skateboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where, which just kind of like... Shows the evidence of, the, of how much uh, pop culture every show tried to fit a Bart Simpson into yeah. their yeah <laughs> their pantheon. You know, um, it, it's kind of it's kind of I think how every show now is trying to get a, uh, a Sheldon type uh, uh, Asperger's super genius in their oh, show yeah, now. Right. Go ahead. The, well, the thing that jumped out for me about so the episode starts with Randy all suited up in his protective gear to go take his bike out. And and Tim is encouraging him to go do crazy stuff on his bike. Tim goes, why are you wearing all that stuff? Referring to the safety pads on his elbows and knees. Jill says that. Oh, Jill says that. Which is even weirder. Like, that she's is like, weird. What, why, are you, why are you trying to protect yourself, you pussy? <laughs> and Randy says, because they're cool, as he straps on his helmet. Um... There's something very backwards about that. Someone, someone did not have their finger on the pulse of what <laughs> kids uh, think are cool. I mean, I know skateboarding was such a huge thing in the early 90s that like... You maybe... even went into a skateboarder voice and you said, it's like, such a cool thing. <laughs> so radical, man. Pugs. <laughs> <laughs> that, but I don't remember pads being a cool thing. I, I don't think they were. I mean, maybe except that it, that it signified that you are extreme enough Ugh. that you have to dress that way. Do you think it was... Some sort of weird propaganda of like the like ABC or uh, Disney going. Oh. We have a influential character on a TV show that could be a positive influence on kids. Thus, we need him to say that wearing your safety pads are cool. The the face that you made when you realized that I was I was legitimately scared that like you that I don't know I had I had farted without knowing it or so like that you that you looked. <laughs> So disgusted when you realized that ABC oh. might have been trying to code propaganda for kids to wear their helmets by having JTT bless the activity. The next cameo we're going to get is 
Gruff McDog. <laughs> Gruff McDog is Scruff McGruff's rapper brother. Who's Scruff McGruff? Scruff McGruff is the anti-crime dog. Gruff McDog McDog is something you came up with. <laughs> what name is that? Even? Gruff McDog. <laughs> I mean, I think, and here's the, here's the funniest part about all that. I was thinking Smokey the Bear. I was thinking, oh, he obviously got Scruff McGruff mixed up with MC Scat Cat, whose last name at least incorporates his the species. Mix. Wow, dude. Ooh. Maybe maybe we're sipping on some some Kentucky bourbon before this episode. That's also for Randy in this scene with his bike. He brings so after he sets off with his bike to go do extreme tricks, which both of his parents bless. He, later we see him coming back, him and Brad wheeling the now broken bike mm-hmm. into the backyard. He went off a jump and, and messed up the front wheel, got yeah. it knocked off the bike. Randy is fine. He mm-hmm. is perfectly healthy. But so they, they bring it into the backyard. They're talking about it. They hide it behind the same bush where they hide <laughs> the every... one magical bush. The, is it perhaps the burning bush? Oh, that's it. Wilson, after using <laughs> it to communicate with Moses. Yep. Uh, was like, you know what? I, now, now that I'm retiring to to Metro Detroit, I want to put this in my backyard, except actually in someone else's backyard. But I want to yeah. be able to keep a watch on it. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, he's keeping it for posterity. So they take the bike back, they stow it behind the the only hiding place in Michigan, and then they're talking about how are they going to avoid the blame for this, and they're kind of spitballing some ideas. And what Randy says is, I wish there was just some way we could blame Mark for this. And they actually talk about how, well, maybe, maybe we tell Mark it was his fault. He usually yeah, believes right. us. So they, they, at this point, acknowledge how much they've been tormenting their younger brother. And Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Very, very blatantly uh, conspiring against him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it did pull the veil back on him being a grand manipulator, sociopathic, narcissistic, uh, psychopath who it, it, who also does totally sweet BMX type tricks while staying safe. <laughs> he doesn't care about the safety yeah. of others, but he knows that it's totally radical to make sure you don't get any bad scrapes well, we and bruises. Well, we can't actually verify how gnarly the uh, the jump was because we didn't see it. He could have been completely uh, Whack. bunk at it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim Tim says Tim said it was a five foot jump, which uh, I, experts agree is fly, if nothing else. <laughs> Might be dope. Uh, yeah, but it could have been a hot rod thing where he just kind of. You remember the movie Hot Rod, where ah. Andy Samberg just kind of goes towards the jump and then runs right through it. <laughs> uh, that, that's also every single jump on America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> that's every, very it, true. It's yes. always that they could retitle that show. Uh, plywood ramp breaking home <laughs> videos, and it would be the same experience. Oh my! Let's just touch very briefly on the weird nexus of reality timeline of this episode, which yeah. makes zero sense, as far as I could tell. Yeah, what do you, they what recorded? Do you think it happened? Two tool time episodes in one day. What, uh, so the one with George Foreman was that because that, that was the second. Yeah, time essentially, yeah. I think I have an explanation for okay, that. Okay, please, hit me with it. So, well, okay, so the timeline for the episode, we start at the house with Karen and Jill mm-hmm. and Tim getting the chain letter, and then he's on his way out when after getting that chain letter. Right. Uh, to tool time, presumably. Yes, to tool time. Actually, no, you're right. This, okay, so then we get a, a scene of, of uh, Tim and Al at tool time before the shoot talking, and this is where we find out that right. Al sent the letter. And what I was going to say is that was Tim and Al prepping for the shoot. Then Al, then Tim comes home for a few hours before going to shoot with George Foreman. Now I look back at it, though. Tim comes home from that. Karen and Jill are still at home. 
uh, Jill gets the phone call saying, oh, Tim dyed his hands green while shooting the show today. Well, did did it say shooting the show? Or, well, on the set, like, I, they, were, they maybe, were working with dye. Maybe it was some sort of uh, dress rehearsal. Maybe, maybe they had some sort of project dealing with paints or dye uh, set up, and it went awry during the, like, tech rehearsal. Then he went home to, you know, lick his wounds a little bit. Uh, and then when he comes back, they decided to go, let's go with something a little more simple. Let's just do, uh, we got these stairs pre-built. Uh, let's just do that because George is coming on. Yeah. Well, and that might make sense. I mean, and maybe it does. Maybe it was just a tech rehearsal. That's where he dyed his hands green. But then when we come back to Tool Time with with George Foreman, it's the start of the episode, Tim and Al introducing themselves. Mm-hmm. Tim walks out with a huge black eye. His hands are green. Which, why didn't the producers, again, inept producers, put makeup on his face? And his hands. <laughs> and then, Or at right. least, why doesn't Tim say, hey guys, I don't know if you noticed, but I have a black eye and my hands are green. He doesn't even acknowledge if it. If ever there was a TV host that could hide his hands in gloves, it is a home improvement <laughs> host. <laughs> get welder's gloves. Get uh, uh, those other gloves that men use for things. Yeah, yeah rubber gloves. <laughs> rubber gloves. Yeah, rubber gloves. We've or, seen rubber gloves on the show before. Yeah, or latex gloves yeah. for like brain surgeons and stuff. <laughs> this is brain time. I I don't know. He, he, so he doesn't acknowledge it at all. It, it's a very messed up timeline. Yeah. It, so it, what it looks like is... Tim hangs out at home, goes, shoots an entire episode of his TV show, which takes approximately mm-hmm. two hours... Uh, comes home from that, hangs out with his wife and his wife's friend a little bit more, goes back, uh, meets George Foreman, shoots another episode of the show, mm-hmm. comes back, talks to Wilson. Maybe it's something like Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune where they record multiple shows in one day with a live audience but not necessarily live broadcast. So yeah. it's like a Monday and Tuesday they're knocking out the entire week of episodes yeah maybe that's maybe that's the case that that might yeah that might be more more of what it is they just they do all of them back to back and tim actually doesn't work that much maybe the reason we never see the taylor house from outside is because it's actually connected to the tool time set (laughs) it is as we see in the outtakes yeah actually good i'm glad that you mentioned this yeah we get a a kind of reality bending uh outtake goofer at the end there with yeah. george foreman do you want to yeah so um we were at the very end of this episode which i guess is at the end of the grunt work episode we're talking about here um tim and jill decide to like actually spar a little bit with and, boxing gloves. with boxing gloves this time they're like i'm gonna teach you to box we're gonna have some fun and jill's having a good time with it uh just kind of taking cheap shots at him in the face and uh in the gut and then um we cut to the closing credits and then all of a sudden, it pauses and goes, and rewinds. Thought we were going crazy. <laughs> it was a so mind-bending moment. And then Jill runs for the door after uh, Tim tries to chase her. And she's like, I'm going to get George Foreman. And opens the door. And George Foreman's there and chases Tim away. Uh, and Tim runs off the set. And we get to see kind of in between the, the, like, the home improvement, that capital I, capital H. I yeah. did that backwards. Um, yeah. <laughs> Improvement home. That's how it's. That's how it's filed in the video store. Improvement comma home, uh, where he runs out of the the home improvement kitchen, or the Taylor household kitchen, into the tool time set, and we get to see the like home improvement audience. And um, it was a good bit. It was well, no, it wasn't a good bit. It wasn't a good bit. It was amusing to me just to see behind the scenes of the show and see yeah. Jill kind of breaking and Tim just goofing. Yeah, yeah. Well, if that's it, then uh, I guess. 
we can just wrap this up. The The show notes for this episode will be posted on uh, our website, which is gruntworkpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please uh, share it wherever you can. Uh, it really helps others find us. Plus, every time you share us, you'll know that you have enough good luck to make it back from Borneo in one piece. Um, also on our website you can sign up for our weekly newsletter uh, where you can get notifications whenever a new episode is released and we have started posting uh, the grunt count on there and uh, some trivia um, basically whatever we can uh, come up with for that week and you can also follow us on all the social places at gruntworkpod Landon do you know what time it is? it's time to share this episode with 10 people otherwise something bad will happen (laughs) 